Welcome to Conversations on Life, Work, and Love, hosted by coaches Bonnie Blackstone and Ramey Gibbs. Our focus is to give voices to Gen X women and help them achieve a well-lived life. Good afternoon, Ramey. How are you today? Doing good, Bonnie. Good. So we have a special guest today. And so before we introduce her, we want to talk about gratitude. You actually put a post up this morning about name three things that you're grateful for. So let's open with that. Definitely. Yeah, it was really um, on the forefront of my mind this morning because um, we had a bit of a challenging weekend here at the um, Blackstone residence. Um, The little one has been sick all week. Um, The hubby just had knee replacement. So we've been cooped up together all week and tensions were a little high. Um, you know, we muddled through it. We're all okay. Everybody survived. Nobody was thrown <laughs> off the balcony. But um, this morning when I woke up, I got up about an hour before the boys did and just stood in my big window overlooking the water with my hot coffee and the the uh, fog was laying just right between the water and the blue sky and birds were singing. And I just had this moment of joy and peace and just let that that joy and that gratitude just sink in and it just felt like a a reset you know yeah. new day fresh start you know so that mondays was, that are good was, for that too yeah totally <laughs> i mean sometimes they can feel like your hair's on fire but um today i just felt really renewed um let good. that you know what go and grateful yep. to have that chance to get up and start again so how about you you had good. a big weekend I did have a big weekend. And, you know, when I read your post this morning, I was like, oh, yeah, I have a lot to be grateful for right now. And it was a very um, loving weekend. So it was uh, my husband and I celebrated our 10 year anniversary. And as you know, and as our guests know, too, that it's been a little bit of a a hard fought 10 years. But I think we're both at a a really good place right now where um, we both have committed to making it work and working on ourselves and together working as a couple too. So that's kind of, we've really made that commitment. And so it's really starting to show up and it was really neat to celebrate with, um, so there were 12 of us total. So 10 of our friends, um, three of them came from out of state and uh, well, and then one came from Houston. So it was just really, really neat to be surrounded by a lot of love. And it was very cool. <laughs> so very cool. Yeah. And yeah, just that's really, really a very grateful feeling. And then we also made a huge investment in a vacation that we've been planning since 2015 and it keeps getting derailed. So <laughs> we're going to Ireland. Woo-hoo! Yay. <laughs> Happy dance. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited about that. So yeah, so great weekends and things just are feeling good and the momentum seems good. And so we're it's a good it's a good time. And today is a great day to bring in our joy activator. So let's go ahead and go ahead and uh, introduce uh, Miss Dina Subnani. And we're going to let Dina tell you a little bit about herself. So do your introduction, Dina, as you would like to be introduced. (laughs) I love that as I would like to be introduced. Well, honestly, what I like to say is 
I finally came to a point where I've been able to claim my purpose and my purpose on this planet is simply to be a lighthouse of joy. And so that's how I like to be recognized. Um, the title, the joy activator came through a download and that's what I've been sticking to um, for the past I would say about a year, but honestly, I've always been the happy chick. Uh, if you got to know me when I was younger, and I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I was born in the Philippines, raised in Hong Kong, um, lived in LA, New York, San Francisco, and Dubai, and have been in South Texas now for the, almost seven years. And it's been quite the journey, uh, if I do say so myself. But growing up, I always saw things like people would say with rose colored glasses. Um, I had the ability to find magic in the mundane, if you say, you know, um, if I can quote that, to find magic in the mundane and just little things got me excited. And it was an interesting upbringing. I went to private, private British schooling in Hong Kong. My parents were both there. I'm Indian by ethnicity. So um, my parents moved from India to Hong Kong for work opportunities. And they raised me and my brother over there. And uh, it's been quite the journey ever since. I've had itchy feet and traveled the world. Uh, I'm at, I think, 28 countries now with Many, wow. many more to go. Wow. <laughs> nice. <That's> amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, good. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I love podcasts. It's like, no, you, you next. No, you turn, you turn. Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of like happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's funny that you say that because that's my signature workshop that came to be. It's called the happy hour workshop. Oh, uh, very <laughs> cool. I, yeah. And that's like a, a new workshop that I developed probably eight, nine months ago. But if we go back to the beginning, one of the questions you had sort of uh, preempted me with in the email was tell us about your spiritual background. Yes. Um, and the funny thing is I grew up in a very spiritual household, though I'm Hindu by religion. Mm -hmm. My parents weren't very religious people. My dad was highly spiritual. He for, followed a guru, uh, Nirankari Baba, and Nirankar means formless. So I grew up with a belief in a formless creator of all that is. Okay. And our religion was love. You know, we saw the divine in one another. Um, you know, namaste and you bow to the divine within and yes. you clasp your hands. Mm -hmm. But when you take it back to the olden times, you would really reach down. And I mean, if you're going way back, you would prostrate yourself in front of your guru or a, a, a religious figure, like put your head to their feet, which meant removing the ego when we meet, meet each other in spiritual congregations, we bow down and touch each other's feet in the same, mm. um, in the same theory, like there's no ego. So you could be a judge and you could be the, the bathroom sweeper. And it didn't matter because the tenets of the spiritual, um, 
uh, way of being that we were, were don't judge other people based, based on their caste, color, creed, what they wore, what their job duties were. Uh, always do what you were sent to this planet, your dar- dar- dharma. Um, I don't know if you are familiar yeah. with that word, yeah. dharma. Yeah. It's living your purpose. So yes. it's very easy to be uh, a spiritual being if you renounce everything and go off and live into the mountains of the Himalayas and Om oh, and sure. I, you know, <laughs> oh, right. It's easy. Yeah. Then there's reality. <laughs> but reality is if you're here and you are a wife, a partner, a mother, a business owner, stay in that lane and understand we are spiritual beings having human experiences. And that's the experience you're here to fulfill. And so I grew up when people were sick, my dad, they would come to my dad. So my dad was, I guess, a a preacher of sorts. We'd have spiritual gatherings in our household every Saturday. Uh, People would sing some hymns, um, share a few thoughts, and then my dad would do the sermon. Um, We call it satsang, a gathering of few people speaking the truth about the creator. And so people would go to him for everything, right? Counseling and ask advice. If people were sick, my dad would say, hey, give me a glass of water. And uh, in Indian households, a lot of us have silver um, utensils made out of Mm -hmm. pure silver. So we had a silver cup. My dad would pour water in the cup, pray over the water, and then ask them to drink. And now you fast forward, and there's Dr. Imoto's studies on water and the words we speak into water and how they can create actual different crystals. Like if you're speaking love into water, you get these beautiful snowflakes. And then if you're speaking hate or war, unkind words, those those formations, once you freeze the water, they don't form these beautiful snow snowflakes. They look like just a mess and we're 70%, 80% water. And so understanding these concepts at a very early age, I actually thought everyone (laughs) knew these things. Uh And when the secret came out, I was like, why is there such a big hoo-ha about this? (laughs) Like, doesn't everyone know this stuff? Yeah, we create our reality. Um, So it was a really, really interesting upbringing for me. So I've always been spiritual. I've not known a world without a belief and a strong faith in a creator of all that is. You know, if people call it God, that's great. Um, For me, the term creator works, and that worked when I fast forward and got into theta healing, which which is what I practice, the healing modality. We use the term creator of all that is as well. So it just ties hand in hand. And uh, it's it's a different experience. I didn't realize early on that, you know, there were so many people who when talked when talking about the law of attraction, manifestation, spirituality, uh, faith, people were like, what? Because so many of my friends grew up in organized religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, churches or temples or mosques. And it was a very different way of being. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for in the United States, it's a very different way. <laughs> and down in South Texas, even more so. so yes. 
Okay. So I have a million questions. Bonnie's got a million questions. So we're just going to start throwing them at you and then see sure. what you do with them. Can you volume? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so go ahead, Bonnie, you open it up. Um, I was just going to um, touch back on the theta healing as I was looking at your website and getting to know you a little better before we started talking. Um, I, I ran across the fact that you were a theta healer and I started Googling. Can you, um, Talk a little bit more about that, what it is. Sure. So Theta Healing is a healing modality founded by a woman called Viana Steibel, who lives here in the U.S. It is now practiced practically all over the planet. Um, I did my first Theta Healing course, the basic course. It was 11 years to the month, uh, I was looking at Facebook and I was getting Facebook memories yesterday and today of graduating from that first week of Theta Healing. It is a healing modality that uh, takes faith in something greater than you, whatever that is that you want to call it. When people come to me and say they follow Christ, I tell them, don't go to Christ the figure, go to the Christ consciousness, the all that is, right? Um, it is whatever faith you need, faith in something greater than you and the willingness to take personal responsibility for your life. Because the truth is you can only change yourself. You know, how many times have we tried to change people around us just Goodness. fruitlessly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. we are responsible for ourselves. And um, the healing modality is very powerful because it takes science with spirituality and merges them together. And when you understand that there is a creator of all that is, and we are co-creators of our reality, then anything truly is possible. What happens is along the way, we have belief after belief after belief after belief stacked upon us saying this isn't possible and this isn't right and you can't walk on water and you can't teleport and you can't do all of these things and so we grow up believing we can't do any of those things but I honestly tell people like when they come to me they're not learning anything new the reality of it is we are peeling away and unlearning things that no longer resonate, that don't fit, that we picked up because that's all we knew and saw around us. Yeah. Theta is the brainwave state. So when you are in beta, which we are right now, we're speaking and we're conscious and our brainwave activity is more, you know, it, it's more active. Then you go into an alpha state. And so Reiki, hypnosis, um, healing modalities of that form go get you into a more alpha state of mind where you're more relaxed and your mind is more receptive. Theta is the next level. Your brain waves slow down to like four to seven megahertz and that is creative consciousness. That's that feeling when you're just falling asleep or you're just waking up and you're not quite fully awake, but you're not quite fully asleep. Mm -hmm. That's when you can tap into pure potentiality. And so in theta healing, you learn how to get into that theta brain state through a very simple meditation that you practice initially over and over and over again before you work with a partner. And then you sort of set yourself a default that, hey, 
you know, creator, it's commanded that I go into theta and you get yourself into that space. And so in that space, I'm able to get intuitive downloads and my role, it's a theta healer. I don't, the term healer is so vague to me. My role is a channel. I am a witness. Quantum physics says something that is witnessed changes its behavior. So I witness the changes that happen in a client. I witness and get intuitive downloads of what might be going on in their life, what certain beliefs they might be holding on. And it's conversational. And there's energy work involved. We get back soul fragments. We clear psychic hooks and energetic attachments, give love to you from the very moment you were conceived in your mother's womb. Um, and all of those energetic ac activities I do in, a, in the first initial session. And that's where I get, I see things or hear things or just have a sense of knowing Um of what might be going on with the client. And then you go through a conversation and you dig for the bottom belief, the root belief that's in the way of them living the life of alignment that they want to be living. So it's really, really powerful, powerful work. And we all know, we all are healers. We all are coaches. There's nothing new in this world, it is just different interpretations and you find what you resonate with. So some people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, he talks science first and gets really into the brain and talks about going into theta and all of that. And then he brings the spirituality on the back end. And then there's aliens and all sorts of life beings and, and that sort of thing. But I just urge people whatever it is that you resonate with, do the work, mm -hmm. do the work so that you're able to really be present to the power that you are and the reality of who you are as a co-creator. And then you see your life transform. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to um, follow up more on this. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And I tell you, the things that you're saying right now keep coming up for me over and over and over again. So it obviously is telling me where I am in my life cycle, right? That mm -hmm. um, the whole idea of essence and who we who we are and then who we are on the outside, who are, you know, I guess on the inside and then on the outside. So it's funny, you know, growing up in the United States and I didn't grow up in a religious family at all, but I don't think most of us, uh, recognize spirit. I'm just going to use that term essence, um, as something that resides within us necessarily. It's more, I think thought of as something that leaves us when we die, uh, versus being in us to begin with and it being a knowing, um, we're just going to say it knows it, it's already comes with its own package and thoughts and beliefs. Right. But unfortunately it doesn't come with historical knowledge or it's not at least given to us. I don't think, does that make sense? Like, so I don't know that our essence, we'll call it memory. I don't know that it has memory or if it does, it doesn't 
generally give us those memories so we don't have them to um, develop from. Does that make sense? And, and I don't know if you believe or if you think differently. So you tell me your side of it. <laughs> so I think differently. Um, we, so when you say essence, when you're talking essence, I'm interpreting it as our soul. Soul, spirit, yeah, um, whatever. The theory, yeah, spirit, soul, like, and that soul is part of a greater soul, essence, yes. source, energy, whatever yeah. you have. Your co-creator, but, yes. <laughs> yeah. Our, our soul lives lifetimes. Um, some people like to subscribe to the theory we're living parallel, parallel lives. Currently, you're living several lives. And I think that Oscar-winning movie, though I haven't seen it, when I saw the trailer, I was like blown away because it was literally quantum jumping. And if you've heard about quantum leaping or quantum jumping, it is this practice that you can tap into every single version of you, the version of you that is a doctor, the version of you that is a violin player, the version of you that is whatever the case is. And um, we do have soul memories. That's why you have a lot of cases and very well-documented cases of past life memories of a three-year-old remembering his past life as a, a, a pilot and he could name where you know the plane crashed and his co-pilots and it's it's astounding what is now easily um available to us in terms of resources that is very hard to fake in terms of like, how is a three-year-old going to make up so many stories and know about being in a the Japan war back in a time before he was even conceived? Right. Um, another theory is that as you come onto this planet, you choose the experience you'd like to have. Sure from the parents, from the illnesses, from the life experiences you're going to have. You sort of make friends with the souls and say, okay, you're going to be the person who abuses me and you're going to, because this is what my soul needs to experience for whatever reason. I don't know. I haven't had the experience of going back, but this resonates to me um, that we choose experiences and then we that. forget. And we forget when we come down here with the density of the earth, we forget so that right. we don't have those memories. Per that's se. what I was saying. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. then we get glimpses. And that's why you have people who can read your Akashic records and open the library and see what you're supposed to do. And people who do future readings. And it's just a vast, vast um, rabbit hole you can fall down into but it's it's really i tell people just see what resonates what feels right to you and mm -hmm. you can change your mind you know we grow up you know with blinders on and this is what your parents have told you this is what you know this is what the church yes. has told you or the temple yep. and this is what you know and as you grow up and the the advent of the internet and all this information we've got privy to suddenly there's this cognitive dissonance that gets created and you just don't even know what to believe. And you're like, whoa. And then you, you sort of shelter and you're like, no, 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 no. And then when it becomes like just too pertinent and relevant, then 
your beliefs start to change. You have to like, hey, we can fly to the moon, right? Hey, this is a a possibility. And people have had to let go of disbelief because when new new evidences come into light that is unrefutable, what are you supposed to do? You then accept that new uh, into your belief system. Sure. Or you keep fighting it. But or you keep fighting and you stay right. stuck and you resist and you and then that's the path you choose to take. Right. God bless you. Yeah. Right, right. Right. What right. do you think that moment is in most people in your experience where that um window of um enough is enough? Because you're talking, I see this the natural pureness, the natural joy that we're brought into this beingness you know, we all have this tendency to be, we're born, we're born happy. Okay. So that it closes, it closes, it closes. And where do you see in your experience where people start to um, want to unravel that and open up that joy portal, so to speak? It takes awareness. So I'm finding, and I attract clients to me that are not in that victim mindset that life is happening to me and everything is everyone else's fault and they've given away the remote control of their life to someone else to push Mm -hmm. their buttons. Mm -hmm. Um, People, either they have a spiritual awakening, a lot of people I know go through, and it's a term that is used, the dark night of the soul or something that's really intense where then... um, they come into an awareness of there is something better out there or God, creator, Christ, whoever comes into their beingness and they have this so-called spiritual awakening. We are defaulted actually as humans to focus on the negative. It is from like the caveman fight, fright, fight, flight or freeze responses like mm-hmm. ah saber tooth tiger so we're all we've always had that um propensity towards the negative the fear of what's going to happen and that's mm-hmm. why the news works so much it's that sensationalism and so we have a default towards a negative bias and so the 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 thing i tell people is you have to create the habit of happiness and flip that switch. So you're flipping the switch and defaulting to joy. I had a client, a potential client, when she called me up, we spent an hour on the phone. She was looking into working with me and she just had questions. And then the final thing she asked, she goes, can I ask you one last question? I said, sure. She said, Dina, are you always joyful? And I laughed. I was like, shit, no. <laughs> right. I'm, Wait, like, I'm right. human. <laughs> I have my bad days, you know. I have things shift happens to all of us, right? Of course, yeah. Will occur in all our lives. And the more we come to terms with that and say, hey, this is to be expected, right? And ah, to be expected, young grasshopper, right? <laughs> then it's not so much of a shock. But I told her that, look, I have bad days. I have, you know, I get upset about things. Things might not go my way, but I have learned to accept 
acknowledge and appreciate that emotion, be with it, and therefore it doesn't stay with me that long, and then my default goes back to joy. And that's what we have to cultivate. It is, yeah. it is happiness is a choice, right? right? You see these signs that I have one right in front of me that says choose happy. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep making those choices yeah. moment by moment, day by day, week yep. by yep. week, month by month, till it becomes our default. And the habit, that, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah. it's like cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's understanding that you may not be in control of your situation, your environment per se, but the one thing that you have 100% control over is the choice that you make. You can either react to life or respond to life, right? They say 99% of life is, uh, no, 1% of life is what happens to you. 99% of life is how you respond to it. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so we all have the ability to become more self-aware, to do the work, to get into more personal development and understand how much We are in control of our thoughts rather than living in autopilot, rather than living through our subconscious mind, you know, that is defaulted like, oh, I've been in this situation before when I was three. So this is the automatic reaction to it rather than going, oh, this is a new situation. Maybe let me be aware, take a deep breath, be present to the moment Mm -hmm. and then respond differently. And so if we come out of autopilot and become present to the moment and be aware of what we're thinking about, we then can control it and create a future that is more in alignment. But what happens truly? We wake up in the morning, we get up, we go do our same routine, brushing our teeth, washing our face, grab the coffee, get into the car, get to work, shake our head and go, Oh, how did I even get here? Cause you exactly. take the same route yeah, sure. <laughs> and you've got those neural pathways that have already been created and you get to work and you're like, Whoa. And then most of the time, either our thoughts, we think 50, 60, 70,000 thoughts in a day. And so our subconscious mind is great to help us process stuff. But what generally happens is either we are staying in the fear and worry of the past, what already happened and reliving it in our brain, or we're in the fear and anxiety of what is yet to happen. So guess what? In those two scenarios, we're not living in the present moment and whatever we focus on expands. What you think about, you bring about. So uh, you wonder why your life stays the same and why you keep getting the, the the crap that you keep thinking about. It's because you're there and your whole energetic being, your vibration are in those thoughts, past or future. Right. So when enlightenment, what is enlightenment? It's, it's just awareness. It's be yeah. here now, right? Yep. And so when you're like, oh, what am I thinking about? Is that serving me? I tell my clients, if that thought's not serving you, press that delete button, get rid of it. And it's reframing, right? It's reframing and creating a new belief that's more in alignment. 
Absolutely. So do you run into a lot because you often hear people say, I'm looking for happiness. I'm waiting to be happy. I'm waiting for this to happen so I can be happy. How do you, with that initial piece, get people to get past of or or realize that happiness lies within you and it's not outside of you? Yeah. And that's, it's the biggest thing, right? Those are the Retail therapy makes you happy. I mean, it still makes me happy, right? If I'm stressed and I'll go walk around a store, buy something and momentarily I feel happy. But I just, I explain it to people. I was like, you know, what, what would make you happy? Oh, if my child got, uh, a great grade in, in high school and got into college, great. And so they did that. And then oh, well, then they have to pass college and get really good grades so they can get a great job. And then what happened? Or just reflect it on yourself. Yeah, then I'll be really happy. And then you get that great job. And then it's like, then, okay, I'm going to get married and then I'll be happy. And we're constantly. And so again, it's awareness that, hey, it's not in the pursuit of happiness that you're You have to find joy in the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of made me think of that whole idea of Christmas. You know, there's that whole lead up to Christmas and you're like, oh, Christmas is such a happy yay, yay, yay. And then it's Mm -hmm. over. Yeah. And it's that, you know, and then, okay, so now what? And so many people go into the doldrums and they just, you know, burn out for weeks, months after Christmas because it's such a lead up, right? right? And then a letdown. So it's the same thing as you were saying with with anything, oh, I'll be happy when I'll be happy then, or and then it happens. And did it really make you happy? Because again, it's an external thing right. happening. <laughs> so and people are waiting. They're waiting, and they're waiting. They're, they're they're not realizing that they're losing all, out on the present moment. So it comes back again to being aware of what you have. Only when you are grateful for what you have now can more come into your life. Because if you're saying this is crap, this is crap, this is crap, and you're expecting that's what you're attracting, more, right? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. It's, you know, Einstein's definition of insanity. Doing (laughs) the same thing over Over and over and and expecting a different result. Yep. Wow. Where have we heard that before, huh? (laughs) It's the same thing, but that's why. So I was always a happy chick. My dad, when I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, me and my dad were best friends. He was my spiritual guide, my mentor, like just he, people were like Dina uh, uh, would tell my father that you're spoiling Dina. And he was like, how? He just spoiled me with love. He Mm. gave me, he was the motherly figure in my life. My mother did, wasn't that figure to me. My dad was that nurturer. He was a Cancerian Mm -hmm. loving man, you know, and poured into me in that way and we'd go for um little daddy daughter lunches you know the local hotels buffet and I remember one time I think it was about 10 or 11 years old and he he told me this he said Dina this entire world was created just for you You are the director the writer the author the superstar cinematographer of the movie of your life you get to choose what you want to see you want to see a tragedy you want to see a comedy you want to see uh you know action adventure movie you get to choose that 
And I was like, wow. And he goes, one more thing. I was always the happy bubbly girl. He goes, don't let anyone steal your bubbles. Don't let anyone steal your joy. You do whatever makes you happy. He goes, as long as you are not intentionally trying to hurt someone or doing something with the intent of making someone else happy by choosing your joy. Now, mm -hmm. if someone is miserable because they're cultural beliefs are a certain way and I was living outside the cultural norms of being a good Indian girl and they were getting upset about it that wasn't my responsibility that nope. was their belief systems sure. and so my father just ingrained it to in, in into me saying choose your joy and I've always done so and so that's amazing yeah it, it, it I'm I always say this and you'll ask people around me who I grew up with. I always say I am such a blessed child and I really do count my blessings and people are like, why do good things always happen for you? And I'm like, look, we're all blessed. We're all truly blessed. It just, I just constantly have the awareness of how blessed I am and choose to be grateful for it more often than not. I mean, I have gone through so much hardship in my life that people don't know because they see the smile on my face and they see my energy. But at 13, I started developing little scabs on my elbows and my knee and the back of my head, which then developed into full-blown psoriasis mm. where head to toe, I looked like a third degree burn victim. I would shed skin everywhere I went. It was miserable. I spent mm. a month in hospital in high school. Oh, wow. And because psoriasis is not contagious, but it's very unsightly, mm -hmm. you know, I would still have to do swimming classes. Now imagine you look, I mean, and it was hard. I had a, a senior say, hey, pizza legs, because uh -huh. I had like round spots. Mm -hmm. sure. I had to go through that. And I mean, I could have chosen for a woman, for a young girl going through puberty, oh, anything, miserable. Oh, holy yeah. cow, you yeah. know, that does with yeah. our body image is or we're already going through a tough time. Imagine I could have been suicidal, never left my house, miserable, unhappy, you name it. Yeah. But because of the grace of the creator, the father that I had and the realization I get to choose, it didn't really deter me. I do remember even in my 20, my 30s, you know, I was living in Dubai and I wanted to go out to the club and I had to wear a turtleneck and like opaque tights. I couldn't wear what I wanted to wear. Mm. And that was for a good two thirds of my life yeah. till I moved here, till I got onto a biologic and my skin cleared. So I went through that. Then I lost my father on his 60th birthday. I held my father's hand as he passed. He was my bestest friend. Yeah, like, that's so hard. I literally had to go choose the coffin. I had I went to oh India to the Ganges with my brother to do the last rites, which generally the, the men do. Um, so I went through that. Me and my mother, I mean, God bless our mothers. We did not have the best relationship. It was cats and dogs. She didn't understand me. Hindsight is 2020. I then 
understood. She was a, a rebellious one, just like I was, like a free spirit, where she didn't want to have the arranged marriage that when she got married to my dad, then she had to have the children that she probably wasn't ready to have at that time and wanted to live this free life. And so as I did my work, the understanding of where she was coming from got much easier. She, at the same time, I lost my father. She lost her husband, her yeah. her rock, her strength. Yeah. And he allowed her as an Indian woman, we were supposed to be like conservative and, uh, uh, you know, demure sure. and shy. He let her be her own person, which really irritated, you know, the, the society around us. But she got to do what she wanted to do. And when he passed, she like became half of who she was and and that that spunk disappeared because he was her biggest supporter. Aww. And then I realized that because I had such a close relationship with my father as father daughter, there was still some jealousy there. Right. Sure. And you don't all these things you realize later, me and my mother have a much better relationship now. They're still like, you know, moms being moms. And I, I might be, I might be 49 right now, but mom's still going, D, are you doing this? And D, what are you doing? <laughs> and it's, it's just, but I, I'm able to know that it comes from a place of love, yeah. you know, relationship issues. Oh my goodness. Did I pick real winners? <laughs> and so I've been able to go through that. And so when I work with clients, I'm really able to empathize because I've gone through very similar situations, imposter syndrome, financial issues, like you name it, right? And having the awareness that I get to choose to change it. I get to choose. It's my choice. And you know, it takes time. You know, we like sitting in our doo-doo for a while. Ooh, and of course we do. Yeah. Feel sorry for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I have to ask, where where's mom now? Is she in mom India? Is or in she... Hong Kong. She's in Hong Kong. Okay. Yeah, so home for me is Hong Kong and mom's still in Hong Kong. Uh, okay. She's visited me once here and I'm hoping to go back in uh, the summertime to visit after several years with yeah the hiatus of covid right yes so okay now and i have to ask you lived in all the big cities you're an international girl how in the world did you end up in south texas <laughs> <laughs> i know right it's so funny um 2015 i was back home i had um 2012 i had ended a five year on and off relationship that just wasn't the highest and best that threw me into theta healing. I had gone okay. back home to Hong Kong. Uh, my mom, bless her heart, said I was Googling courses. A, a friend of mine said, go to Dubai, come to Dubai. I'm teaching it. And I was like, Dubai is way too far. I used to live there, but I'm like, I just got back to Hong Kong. There was a course in Thailand uh, that I Googled, didn't know anyone randomly. Mom said, okay, go, I'll pay for it. Did the uh, basic advanced manifesting in Thailand during like two weeks. And then the instructors, a French guy and a Italian guy were like, Dina, we're in a month, we're doing the three week intuitive anatomy course, which is like, you know, every single day, 15 days of uh, healing. I was like, oh, I can't do that. Mom just paid for this. I'm, you know, whatever creator wanted me to do the intuitive anatomy course. So I did that. I came back to Hong Kong. Friend of mine was creating a healing center. And so the theory was that I would start doing healing sessions. And I did a couple. 
2015, um, so I was living in Hong Kong. 2015 came and I was like, I need to go to the US. I had a green card and I hadn't uh, come back for a bit. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to go. My dad's guru, when my dad passed through, again, a series of just divine synchronicity, I ended up at 27 spending a couple of months in India at my guru's, um, they call it a bhavan. It's just where people come and they visit and the guru lives there and things happen there. So I just lived there and became part of the furniture. And without any, and before I knew who the guru was and knew my dad, I wasn't really into it. I just understood it, but you know, it's whatever. But after living and traveling and seeing the hundreds and thousands and half a million people coming just to get a glance of the guru, like his car would pass and they would take the dirt from where his tires passed. And that was their, their connection to him where I had like direct access. It was. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. So I was part of the furniture. I was like one of the family. I I went around everywhere. I got to travel and go to the big um, uh, events they did and saw just the grace, just that's the word grace. So Mm -hmm. I had that grace. And so my guru was traveling to Australia and New Zealand uh, at the beginning of 2015. And I was sitting with one of my cousins and he said, Dina, I heard that, you know, Babaji is going to be in Australia and New Zealand. Are you going? I go, I wish there's, you know, I didn't have the resources at the time. And I go, and then, you know, my best friend's getting married in Dubai and I have to be at that wedding. And he's like, okay, book your trip just book it and we'll take care of it. And I was like, what? So not only did I get to fly to Australia and New Zealand and spend some magical, magical moments traveling around with my guru, I went to Dubai, wedding came back. And then I heard there was going to be a youth conference in Calgary in the summer where maybe Babaji would be coming. So I was like, look, I haven't been to the US for a while. I need to go get my passport stamped. So I came and it was supposed to be a three month sort of vacation, summer vacation. Mm -hmm. Almost eight years later, I'm still here and went back uh, twice just to visit. But it was just a series of events um, I was traveling around with the guru. He literally went from East coast to West coast to Michigan, to Toronto, to Calgary, to Niagara Falls, everywhere. And I was at that time, again, divine grace, I would get airline flights for $30 and I was traveling around with my one suitcase guru left. Um, I spent some time with my aunt in Chicago and then my aunt who lives here in South Texas, they own a nonprofit called Infinite Love, which is a community center for healing, meditation, upliftment. And I was in New York. She called me and she said, I want you to come and be a speaker for Infinite Love. Come, you know, speak, do a guided uh, meditation and come visit us. And I was like, when? She goes, oh, we can find a flight for you on Wednesday. And it was like Saturday. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> And so I flew to McAllen, I was flown to McAllen and it was really funny. Like usually your flights are delayed. 
my flights were on time. I got the earlier flight. I landed two hours early. My baggage landed early. It was, I was like, okay, this wow. All weird. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I came, I spoke, I led some guided visualizations. Then my aunt said, oh, Dina's seeing clients for sessions. And so some people had signed up after the, the, the one, um, event that we had. And she said, do you know how many people signed up? I go, well, three or four. She goes about eight or nine. From those eight or nine, I think it turned into about 20 because people would come see me and then call their mom and say, oh my God, you have to go see Dina. And like, you need to see my husband. And suddenly wow, all right. I was seeing a lot of people. <laughs> suddenly suddenly you have a business. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Huh? Thought twist. I thought, wow. <laughs> then I was traveling around more. Then finally, uh, about a year later, I decided that I was going to stay in the US. I was approved for some medication for my psoriasis, cleared up my psoriasis. I was just like, wow, this is incredible. That's huge. Yeah. And an aunt from the spiritual congregation invited me to Michigan. She's like, come stay as long as you want. I know people, I'll try to help you. Two weeks later, she's like, you know what? I'm going to go to Ohio where my uh, daughter is and you figure something out. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then a friend of mine, again, phone call, a friend of mine who was traveling around with the Babaji. Um, she says, I have a six bedroom house in West Virginia. Someone just left. You can have the room as long as you need. Come visit me. So I was like, Phew. So I went back to West, I was, went down to West Virginia. I got my driver's license in West Virginia, but that wasn't the place for me. So I said, you know what? I'm going back to the Valley. It was the most affordable place for someone who had one suitcase, one hand carry in hand, right? Yeah. Because New York and San Francisco weren't very cost effective. No. <laughs> I ended up coming back to the Valley. I said to myself, so I created some soul um, soul connections with some of my clients who would come to Infinite Love for meditation every week. People said, you can get an apartment for five, $600. It would be, you know, reasonable. And I said, I already saw, I had already visited maybe two times after that and saw a lot more clients. So I was like, hey, this is going to be a thing. I can set up a little office. So I come back, my aunt's like, oh, you can't live in these places. Like they were just smaller apartments. I ended up getting like this nice gated apartment community that was $800. And then when I was out looking for clients, crickets. Oh no. Crickets. Like I would see maybe one client every couple of weeks. And I was like, I have bills to pay. So I ended up working as a server at a restaurant and I was like me a server <laughs> after all these adventures and everything else yes <laughs> I obviously had a lot of uh, limiting beliefs in my head about you know roles and sure. and I asked my aunt and uncle here I said do you guys have any issues if I become a server they're like uh we don't but you obviously do and I'm like and I was like, I don't even know if I would have gotten the job or not, but I did. And I ended up working at a, a very nice restaurant down here for a year and a half. And the who's who of town used to go there and everyone used to ask. So I had a, a fairly strong English accent and people would be asking me, where are you from? And I'd say, yeah. LA, New York, blah, blah, blah. What are you doing in the valley? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know it was it was synchronicity. I had one of my clients 
when I was visiting, tell me, Dina, you're going to find a, a, a guy here. Your partner's going to be from the Valley. And I was like, whatever, like there, there's no way. And lo and behold, I've been dating my boyfriend for the past six years, almost. It'll be six years in August. We've been together for that time. So I did find someone here. All right. Um, good. And I ended up here. And one of my friends who was also part of our congregation, he goes, for at that time, there was a lot of, this was six and a half years ago, a lot of stuff about the border and Trump mm -hmm. and this and that going on. And one of my friends are like, Dina, they needed your light down here. And I was like, okay. So I've, I've been down here, but if I rewind it, um, July the of 2015, I had seen my guru. There was a picnic in the park and I don't have like full-time access to it. There are thousands and thousands of people. Right. And so the guru and his wife were at the park and this was my last conversation with him in person. He tragically passed away uh, six years ago in a, in a car accident in Montreal, Canada. And it was, Oh, wow. Yeah, but this was my last physical conversation with him. It was like I literally went, bowed down, and by his feet was this uh, feather, and I picked up the feather, and I still have it in my feather collection. But I literally said, use me. Allow me to serve you in whatever way. Send me wherever you want me to be so that I can be this love and this light that you've poured into me, that I can be that for others, just and he was, he smiled, he tapped me on my head. He's like, really? I said, yeah, just send me wherever you need me. And that was the last conversation I had in person with his physical form. And I have a belief that this is where I meant, was meant to be. And Texas has treated me so well. You know, I have a home here. I have a partner here. I've become really involved in the community here. Yeah. Uh, I'm on several boards and organizations and, I just feel really embraced. And I had a shamanic, uh, I did some shamanic courses with this wonderful lady from South Africa. And when I first moved here, she goes, Dina, the land loves you. You're meant to be there. And it's like that part of you. And I was like, okay. And so that's how I ended up in South Texas by the okay. border of Mexico, yeah. you know, a little Indian girl from Hong Kong who now and says y'all and wears boots and you can do the two-step and, you know, habla espanol muy poquito. And people probably think you're Hispanic out here too, I would imagine. All the time. Like yeah. people got insulted, especially when I worked in the restaurant, when they would speak to me in Spanish and I would understand the gist of it, but I would reply in English and they would speak to me in Spanish and I had to learn. You know, I would point to my 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 middle eye, my third uh, eye, and say, I tap it and say, "Yo soy Hindu, Hindu, habla español muy poquito," and they're like, "Ah, sí, sí." So when I explained I was Indian, yeah. they felt better that I was attempting to speak their language because I was sure. like, "Look, I speak English; it's my first language. I know two different Indian dialects. Uh, I did a little. I know a little bit of Cantonese because I grew up in Hong Kong, but Hong I didn't Kong, go sure. to an Anglo-Chinese school." And uh, I did three years of French, don't know anything. Uh, one year of Mandarin, and I can say five sentences. I go, I'm trying, <laughs> I swear I'm trying to learn Spanish.
<laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's been quite the adventure, it really. Quite has. the journey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good. So tell us some final stuff here. Let's talk a little bit more about your business and finding joy. And what are some like final tips that you can give to our listeners about how to find joy within yourself and how to bring it out and how to live in it? Yeah. So the biggest secret is it's a choice. And when you realize that you get to choose, it makes a difference. I tell people, take back the remote control of your life because then you press your own buttons. Like that new song that's on the radio, I can buy myself flowers. You can, if you like flowers and they make you happy, stop being dependent on someone else to provide you that happiness and then blame them for your unhappiness. Because no one is responsible for your happiness or your joy. It has to be cultivated and you have to find those moments It's not outside of you. It is a simple cup of coffee in the morning when you can give yourself the grace of indulging in the aroma, the warmth of the cup, feeling that liquid going down your throat and going, that silence you have for that one moment, right? Before the craziness. That's joy, the sunset. That's Bonnie's favorite right there, the coffee in the morning and the quiet. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I have a four-year-old. Oh, see? um, Yeah, as yeah. soon as he's awake, it's, you know, hell on wheels. So Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's lovely. People will say, oh, get up at five in the morning and have this whole routine and meditate and work out. I'm like, more power to you? Not in my... <laughs> no. <laughs> I, and I don't even have children, y'all. I don't have a nine to five and I don't have children. So. I'm same. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what? If you can get up in the morning when your alarm's going off or you know you wake up in that snooze phase, sit up on your bed, take a deep breath, and just send out the intention of gratitude to your day. You know, put your family and friends in a beautiful golden bubble of light. If you have meetings to go to, connect from your heart and say, I'm sending loving energy to this meeting. I am choosing, I am intending to have a wonderfully positive day and you are in then in control. And when you realize again, no one else's responsibility. Therefore, when people are around you that are frazzled, you get to say, not my circus, not my monkeys, Yes, (laughs) not take things, um, Personally, you had asked one of the questions in the emails, what are some of the books or podcasts? Yep. Uh, I'm more of a book person. So one that I recommend hands down to almost every client of mine is The Four Agreements yep. by Don Miguel Ruiz. That yep. really can transform your life. I don't say this lightly. If you read that book and that first agreement about not taking things personally is what helped me with my relationship with my mother realize that it's not about me. It's her drama, her stories, her, her story. pain, yeah. her upbringing. And I happen to be in front of her. And so all the emotional puke comes out. But then I get to choose whether I take it with me and take it home, put it under my pillow. Oh, something's smelling. Something's smelling. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, I can't sleep because we've taken on their stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we just allow them to let it go, realize it's not personal. And I had to like, literally, and people are like, but she's saying my name. How is it not personal? And like, it's not, 
And yeah. you have to go, Dina, it's not personal. It's not personal. You know, when she was throwing things at my door, it's not personal. It's not personal. And it's her story. It's not your story. Yep. Right. Because <laughs> yep. fire, more, more gasoline. If you're fighting back, you're, you're creating the flames and mm, we wouldn't yep. speak for weeks, but if it was fire and I didn't add anything to it and just kept my mouth shut because she just needed to let it out. She had no other yep. way. She didn't go to counseling, blah, blah, blah. And she sure. had a lot of hurt let it out, step away from the situation and come back, then we would be back to normal again. And it took me, you know, decades to learn this. So that book, another book, I worked for this top CEO of a headhunting firm in Hong Kong. He had the penthouse suite and one of the most sought after businesses. How I got that job as his executive assistant again, is a whole different story, but people would come to him for mentoring. And he had two books. He had The Alchemist for the Younger yep. Ones. Read so one The too. Alchemist is a beautiful story about a man's journey. And I love that book. And mm -hmm. the other one he would give to other more established people was The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sherma. Um, but yeah, books are life, whether they're on Audible, um, they really do make a difference. And then I like watching sort of YouTube snippets of what comes up. So I don't quite have favorite podcasts. I'm still trying to get into having a system that way, but I don't. So it's okay. Um, but just when we feed ourselves things that are uplifting us, I tell people because I talk about part of my career and what I do is health and well-being. And it's understanding its body, mind, and spirit. Mm -hmm. I used to ignore the body. I was very connected to the creator. I was like, mm, yes, you know, I've got this connection. I'm spiritual. It's all good. My mindset's great. Ignored the body, realized that if I continued going the way I was going and looking at my family history, diabetes, high, uh, hypertension, high blood pressure, all of the fun stuff, uh -huh. I was going to go down that same way. Yeah. And what I realized Part of what I do is I'm an independent promoter of pure therapeutic ketones that put the body into a state of ketosis, diet independent, and being exposed to that community four years ago made me realize how important taking care of our body was and that there are ways of doing so. And it makes personal development and science and biohacking and human optimization. So I'm so thankful for, again, that divine synchronicity opportunity that came my way um, to learn about the body. And so when I talk about diet, it's not only about the food that we eat, it's about what we're reading, what we're consuming, what we're listening to on TV, radio, who's mm -hmm. around us, who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Your are they lifting yeah. you up? Are they people, are you the dumbest person in the room, right? Are you like, Whoa. So are you then having bigger dreams and bigger goals or are you surrounding yourself with the Debbie Downers and the naysayers and the negative Nancy's or who are pulling you back and saying, oh, don't dream that big. It's never going to happen. Be in reality. Right. This is reality. Okay. F reality. That's not what you know. Right. It's like, sorry, I was like trying to be polite. It's like, what's another word I can use? Yeah, I never mind. Yeah. It's like, 
if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Everything was started at a dream in someone's head, right? My birthday happens to fall on the same day as Walt Disney and like, you know, that man's imagination and in- yeah. impact on this world is astounding. And it, so it, it begins with the energy we put into our thoughts. Your thoughts are pictures and ideas that you then put your perception into based on your stories. And then what we think, as I think, so I feel. We create emotional impact around those feelings and ideas and pictures. As I feel, so I do. We take action from that. And as I do, so I have. We then attract from what we're doing, thinking, and feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's that mantra. As I think, so I feel. As I feel, so I do. As I do, so I have. And that's what I've been teaching and um, sharing. And what I do right now is I'm a well-being uh, facilitator. I do the theta healing. I see people on a one-to-one basis for soul sessions. And so I, my first healing course when I was 15 years old, uh, was a Japanese healing art called Mahikari. And I learned about energy and putting energy into the third eye while reciting up, a, a Japanese prayer. And so all sorts of different energy healing modalities, decades it's not just in the past 10 years it's 30 odd years of talking about these things because my parents were much more open and this was very normal in our household so I do soul sessions and then I've started doing these well-being workshops and what's been amazing is like the cities have been hiring me So I've been able to speak for several cities here in our local community in South Texas. They're becoming Mm -hmm. more and more, especially after COVID, um, aware of the impact of mental health and well-being. Yeah. Yeah. And corporates used to have wellness programs, but that was about like taking your steps, eating healthier. What is healthy according to the American USDA? I don't know, but, you know. Uh, I'm doing that, but well-being incorporates the mind, the spirit. Body, mind, spirit, um, yeah. So I do yeah. more embodiment things, laughter, therapy, with mindset work. I talk about the ripple effect, the energy as I think, so I feel. Uh, I do guided visualization. So it's my way of taking something that's really woo-woo to other people, making it super practical and taking it into the mainstream so that more people realize that they're in control and that leadership is responsibility and your responsibility for the energy you show up with, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. when you're showing up with great energy, the ripple effect that you can make is great. So speaking on podcasts such as yours, conferences, looking for more opportunities to speak. I have spoken across the world, but really making this my career, which it's always been the vision. It just took me a very, very indirect, fun sort of roller coaster way to get to where I'm meant to be as the joy activator, as a speaker, as someone sharing, you know, than being that lighthouse of joy. Great. I love it. Well, as we wrap this up, Dina, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram under the joy activator. 
Um, I have a website, which is www, my full name, dinasabnani.com. I'm also on LinkedIn under my name, Dina Subnani. Luckily for me, I'm, I think I'm the only one. So <laughs> yay. I'm the yeah. only Dina Subnani around. So yeah, there's a variety of ways they can reach out. Email is hello at dinasabnani.com. And I'd love to connect. I'm someone who just shares a lot of things on my social media, goofy, fun, uh, serious, and thought-provoking. So, yeah, I really appreciate the both of you. And I am so grateful for this opportunity to share a little bit about myself. Perfect. Thank Thank you you so much. much. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on and we will make sure that we put all of your contact information in the show notes so people can find you. But again, just uh, opportunities you're looking for would be speaking engagements, one-on-one coaching, anything else? Workshops? Yeah. So podcast interviews or I I write articles actually going to be released in a book that's coming out in June called Women with Healing Gifts, where I share actually a lot of the stories I've shared with you. I'm sharing it in a, it's an anthology with other creative uh, healing women from all across the world, actually. And so that book's going to come out in June. So opportunities just to share what I do, workshops, laughter, uh, visualization, meditation, all of the good stuff. Perfect. Well, thanks again so much, Dina. We thank appreciate you. you. Thank, you thank you. Thank you. Thank you listeners for hanging with us. And don't forget to choose joy today. Join us every Thursday for more conversations on life, work, and love. And when you're ready to find your own voice and your own path towards a well-lived life, we'd love to be your coaches. Reach out to us through our websites. You'll find me, Ramey, at renovatedrealities.com. And you'll find me, Bonnie, at bonnieblackstone.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to review, rate, and follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.